Welcome to Coping Skills for Chronic Physical and or Mental Health Issues, where I don't try to replace your treatment team, but instead provide helpful tips and skills from the viewpoint of a certified rehabilitation counselor of over 23 years and who has had to live with significant physical and mental health issues to help you get by and thrive in your daily living and rehabilitation. Today's episode is identifying our maladaptive coping strategies to make great progress in our wellness. In previous episodes, we've identified a lot of coping skills which are extremely useful. But to compare it to a garden, the coping skills are like water, sunlight, fertilizer, very useful and needed. But at some point, you've got to look at all the rocks and the weeds that are in the garden, especially the invasive weeds, and you've got to take them out. And that's what we hope to do today with the maladaptive coping strategies is to help take out some of those weeds. Coping is wonderful at treating symptoms. At identifying maladaptive coping strategies helps to identify some of the major contributors to and sometimes even the causes of some of those symptoms. Now, what are maladaptive coping skills and why do we use them? Well, they're just the basically a bad way to cope, but they have a common purpose, and that's to protect us. So what do they protect us from? Well, from dealing with some feeling or emotion. If somebody dies, maybe we don't want to deal with that depression, or if you have disappointment or anxiety, maybe we just don't want to deal with that. And so these maladaptive coping strategies is what we use instead. So they do have a short-term purpose, uh, because where's the fun in experiencing these types of feelings? But unfortunately, we can't bury these things and think that nothing will happen. There are going to be long-term consequences for us uh, because they're toxic. And it's just like burying toxic waste is going to have consequences on the land or water, right? If you put toxic barrels in the land, then, you know, eventually trees and everything else is going to start dying all around you and people are going to end up with cancer and all kinds of bad stuff, right? Well, if we bury our stuff in us, then it does come out. It comes out in the form of depression. It comes out in anxiety and health issues or in anger. And, uh, and sometimes we don't even know where it comes from. We just start yelling at people or we just start becoming really anxious and we're not even sure where it comes from. So specifically, how do these come about? Well, overwhelming stress a lot of times, right? Whether it's conflict within the family, divorce, financial hardship, like a loss of a job or just can't pay the bills death of a loved ones, maybe even COVID, right? And and so forth. Lots of overwhelming stress out there. Or maybe there was just poor treatment, like growing up in a violent environment or being mistreated or neglected or or not being given love and parental support and so forth. Or emotional invalidation, being told your emotions are not reasonable. You know, why are you being angry? You know, you can't be sad in this situation. Stop that, you know, and so forth. Which sometimes we're being told that because we're overreacting to a situation, but there's a difference between uh, the way you feel and the way you react. Feelings need to be validated while reactions perhaps might need to be changed. Another reason people use maladaptive coping strategies is because chronic illnesses impose a lot of limitations, and the maladaptive coping strategies is a response to those limitations because we need to grieve from the losses imposed by the limitations, and instead of grieving, we're using the strategies instead of grieving. So I'm going to go through a quick list of several maladaptive coping strategies because it's important to first identify what what we're using and then 
The second step would be then to get help, maybe perhaps such as a counselor, or to use some of the positive skills such in other episodes. And so we'll do a quick rundown through the maladaptive coping strategies at the end, just to identify some possible strategies of dealing with them. So first the list, and then like I said, we'll go through each one in more detail. Uh, So number one, substance abuse, uh, which we're using very loosely here to use saying any substance or activity which is used in negative or an excessive fashion um, every time or nearly every time that you feel a specific emotion. Uh, rumination would be another one. Emotional numbing. Escape. Intrusive thoughts. Either or orientation. Daydreaming, uh, which I'll explain more later. Uh, procrastination. Self-harm and binge eating. Blaming and self-blaming behavioral disengagement, risk-taking behavior, sensitization, safety behaviors, anxious avoidance, magical thinking, and withdrawal from life. So let's start with that loose term of substance abuse. I think most people understand that a consumption of excessive amounts of alcohol and taking legal and illegal drugs uh, every time they feel an emotion is, would be considered a maladaptive strategy. However, I think uh, people mainly think of that in terms of addiction. And this is not necessarily just talking about people who are addicted to alcohol or drugs. Uh, This would be people who even just use alcohol and drugs, like I said, just to avoid feeling that emotion. So it's it's simply abusing a substance in order to not have to feel something. So this is where Hollywood lies to us, right? This is where every time you see a movie where it's like, oh, I'm sad, let's go get drunk, you know. Uh, this is not the same thing as drinking during a meal, you know, where obviously you're not just avoiding a feeling. Uh, this is like, I'm sad, I'm going to go drink every single time I'm sad. Uh, that is not good. That means you're avoiding feeling sad and not not dealing with grief or not dealing with disappointment. Uh, and that means that you're not coping but this also would include gambling pornography or anything else that somebody would use to avoid feeling emotions or just to that they use in connection with an emotion so if their football team uh, loses and they're and they go okay i'm gonna go gambling now or if they every time they feel a particular emotion they're gonna go gambling or use pornography or use a drug and every time they have that particular feeling, whatever it is, and they go and use that substance, and then they have that connection every single time they use that substance, kind of like with the uh, Pavlovian dog, where every time they ring the bell, then the dog would salivate because they fed the dog every single time. So if every time you feel an emotion, and then you use a drug, or you have a behavior associated with that drug, then you're going to want to use that substance or use that behavior every time you have that emotion. So that's not good. You, you, we want to substitute a good coping strategy in there instead. The next one is rumination. Now, this isn't the deep thought. You know, this is uh, rumination would be depression or anxiety or anger, a thought that you can't stop thinking about, uh, or the implication of those thoughts. You know, how's that going to affect you? And you, and it just keeps going over and 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 over. You get the idea in your head. And you just can't stop thinking about it. Um, and obviously that's going to impact your life negatively. 
Um, and, then, and then there's emotional numbing, which is just shutting down feelings to provide relief from stress and anxiety. And I think that one kind of speaks for itself, just going numb. And then there's escape, which is changing behavior to avoid the situation and difficult feelings. Uh, so you know that somebody acts a certain way, and so you just change your behavior because you just want to avoid the confrontation and the, and the feelings that are going to come up. You know, it's just easier that way, right? And this isn't just the occasional, like, one or two person. This is, you do this a lot. And so you're becoming very, very passive. Next is intrusive thoughts, which are unwelcome or involuntary ideas and thoughts that may be upsetting or difficult to manage. So these are just, they pop in your head and you don't want them there, uh, but they come anyway. Next is either or orientation. One where one either has everything or nothing. There's no in between. So, for example, maybe somebody wants to be an engineer, but then they find out that there's a certain class they just can't pass, and so they're like, "Never mind. If I can't be an engineer, I am not even going to go to college. Then forget college. I'm done." Or for someone like me, who's you know due to limitations, I can't play basketball anymore you know, or sports, and I go, okay, well, if I can't do sports, then I'm just not even going to exercise. Forget it. I'm just going to stay at home and stay in bed. I forget exercise is stupid anyway. So in either or thinking, we just won't allow ourselves a middle of the road type thinking, or allow ourselves to work within limitations, or we just get so disappointed that we can't get to where we wanted to go, that we just can't see another solution. Okay, the next one is daydreaming. Now, this isn't the occasional daydreaming, you know, where it may happen, you know, with every once in a while, right, that everybody has. Uh, and daydreaming, it's the extreme maladaptive daydreaming that's like an addiction uh, that can last for hours at a time. Next up is procrastination, which, uh, like the effects of rumination, can lead to the conscious or unconscious avoidance of difficult issues or tasks that require completion. Next is uh, self-harm and binge eating, um, which is kind of self-explanatory. Self-harm can be from cutting to burning self, uh, really any kind of self-harm. But the idea is emotional uh, relief kind of comes from the self-harm. So it's not dealing with the emotion, and instead they're, they're finding emotional relief from it. And it's kind of an addicting type thing. Uh, same with binge eating. Next is uh, blaming and self-blaming. And these are just uh, cognitive strategies that affect how we relate to, in difficult strategies. Uh, I think it's kind of self-explanatory. Next is uh, behavioral disengagement. So this is where under a challenging situation and an individual may uh, disengage or reduce their effort. For example, maybe they are get put on a work team and they just kind of shut down. Maybe there's somebody that's hard to work with on the team, or they have some social anxiety, and so they just take a backseat. They can see the team is doing everything completely wrong, but they just keep their mouth shut because they just don't want to deal with it. Or maybe they go to a party, and they have social anxiety, or they just don't want to deal with anybody, or they're mad, and they just go sit in the corner. right? They just behaviorally disengage from everybody. Next is uh, sensitization, and that's just overly rehearsing a future event. It's just really worrying and being hypervigilant, but 
that really that excessively worrying about something, just going over something over and over and over again. So it's not just thinking about something a little bit, you know, it's because we can rehearse a future event some, and that's okay. This is like, this is going over and over and over and over again. So they're really not coping with how they're feeling about the upcoming event. And then there's stress and stuff about it. They're just rehearsing it over and over without actual any resolution or any additional preparation at this point. Next is safety behaviors. And that's the tendency to rely on someone or something to help cope with extreme anxiety. And the person may seek continual reassurance that things will be okay. They just keep going back to that person uh, just over and over. Just, is it going to be okay? Do you think things are going to be okay? I, I just want to make sure. You think this is going to be okay, right? Uh, just over and over again. And just that reliance on, the, on someone else to calm their fears without actually calming their fears. And then there's anxious avoidance. And that's just avoiding situation or events that may cause someone to be upset. Uh, and unfortunately, this causes the person never to actually confront their fears or to unlearn uh, a faulty belief. Remember when we talked back about panic attacks, actually confronting those panic attacks and staying where you are actually helps overcome them. Well, actually removing yourself from avoiding and avoiding such unpleasant experiences may actually cause the behavior to worsen, unfortunately. Okay, just a couple more here. Uh, the next is magical thinking. And that's the belief that we can just will things to happen if we really try hard enough. Sometimes we do this to insist upon adhering to like society norms. Uh, so we tell ourselves to toughen up or you know to disregard uh, safety for our bodies. Or maybe society says, oh, you shouldn't take that medication. So we think, oh, I'm fine without medication. I don't need this. And then and then we find ourselves unstable because we didn't take medication. Or we think, uh, you know, oh, I see all the other dads carrying their child around. So even though I have these rods in my back, I'm going to pick up my child and I'll be just fine. Or, you know, we see everybody else on social media being able to do 10 things at once. So we think, I can do I can do 20 things at once. Sure, no problem. So we can take we take on 10 projects thinking, oh, yeah, I can do all this. And it won't have any effect on my body or my mental health. And then, and then next thing you know, we're struggling horribly, right? Because uh, if we ignore reality, then we don't have to face it is the idea. Okay, the last one is simply withdrawing from life. Uh, saying I can't is just too hard, so we say I won't. Uh, and maybe it's dealing with friends, maybe it's dealing with exercise, maybe it's dealing with travel, doesn't matter, but we come up with excuses instead. So, like, uh, friends, I don't have friends because people are stupid. I hate people, people are dumb. Uh, instead of saying I don't have friends because I'm afraid I'll be rejected due to how I look or due to my illness, uh, or you know, I, I don't travel because who wants to travel? I like staying at home. Home is the place to be uh, instead of, well, you know, whenever I travel, I get horribly ill. Uh, you know, so it's it's just withdrawing. And it's just, like I said, it's more of the saying I can't instead of a saying I won't um, and coming up with excuses for it. Okay, so now we've identified all these maladaptive coping strategies. Like I said, what do we do? Well, like I said, identifying it is the first step. So if you recognize yourself in any of these things, uh, well, that's that's good that you recognized it. That is really good because that that's the first step. Uh, the next step would be uh, getting help if you need it. If, if some of those things are really serious and that's something you can't 
do on your own, then, then yeah, counselor. Or if it's something you can do even with just uh, help from a family member or something like that, then get them involved or a friend. Um, and then, like I said, yeah, some of the uh, positive coping skills we mentioned in earlier episodes may be able to help out. Um, so let's just take a few minutes just to run back through those maladaptive coping strategies and just talk about just really quick some possible solutions. They may not be your solution, but just some possible solutions. Uh, so with the substance use and things, yeah, if, if it is to the point of addiction, yeah, you're probably going to have to go through some kind of addiction type program to be able to help yourself out. But if it's not an addiction, then you might be able to, at least like I said, if you identify it, then maybe start substituting some positive coping strategies in place of whatever it is that you're using, like I said, whether it's gambling or whether it's drugs or whether it's food or whatever it is that you might be using in place of an emotion and start make, maybe writing it down so you recognize it and then dealing with that emotion. But that one's a, a hard one, admittedly, and you may need some help, uh, at least from people around you or from a group or from a counselor. Uh, rumination, any of those thought-stopping techniques would help. So the some of the breathing exercises we talked about, mindfulness would help out, and progressive muscle relaxation. All those type of things would be very good for rumination. See, so if you skip those episodes and you have a lot of hard time with ruminating type thoughts uh, or the intrusive thoughts, I mean, I'll just skip back to that down to that one. Uh, then, yeah, uh, some of those kind of things may be able to help out. Emotional numbing. Yeah, again, you might have to do some counseling or something like that, but. Uh, that positivity episode that we just did, barely did last time, uh, if involving yourself into some positive activities, because you'll see that you don't necessarily have to shut down from all emotions. Uh, other than that, all the coping strategies just to learn how to deal with stress and anxiety and so forth will help with emotional numbing. Escape, uh, if it's due to panic attacks, definitely go back and look at the panic attack episode. Um, but changing a behavior to avoid a situation... Um, if it's, uh, do with someone that's very special to you, yeah, that might need some type of counseling, um, or counseling just to learn how to deal with emotions in general or feelings in general. But again, the positivity is really good for, for those type of things. Um, the either or orientation, the hardest part there is recognizing you're doing it. So if you recognize that you're doing it, pat yourself on the back, that's a great start. And then give yourself permission to be disappointed. It's okay to, to grieve that you didn't get what you wanted to have coming to you. Uh, it's okay to feel some emotions and give yourself just a little bit of time to accept the idea that there's some other choices. Again, positivity and some of those positive affirmations and things really do help out with this type of thing. Daydreaming, you may not realize you're doing it, so you might have to set a little timer uh, you know, where it just beeps every 30 minutes or something so you when it goes off, it might just, you know, wakes you up a little bit. And then you can use some of those grounding techniques such as mindfulness or the breathing exercises or the progressive muscle relaxation. Procrastination, this is where someone else can really help you out. If you have somebody to help you follow through, that really helps. Uh, but writing things down, uh, people are much more likely to do something if they write it down uh, and then make goals is really very helpful in when it comes to procrastination. Self-harm, binge eating, really, that's just counseling. You need a specialist for that type of thing. For blaming, self-blaming, uh, self-esteem is a big thing here, so positivity is going to be big. Uh, counseling can be a big thing. 
we really could do a whole episode on blaming, um, but certainly talking to others and trying to find ways that you can t- uh, be more realistic in your conversation. And so when I say realistic, that has to go back to that positivity episode. But it comes down to reframing your thought. So first identify when you say you should have or I should have done this or could have. Right? It's, the, it's that changing those thoughts to then, then whether you, I would prefer have done this or I would prefer you have done this, uh, just like we talked about in that positivity episode. So really go back to that positivity episode if you want more about that. And then it's just taking responsibility, not blaming yourself, even as for about yourself. It's just taking responsibility, not blame for it, and just moving on and just loving yourself. And if you can't clear your mind, then that's where you go back to like mindfulness. Now, every other maladaptive behavior has similar approaches to the ones we've already talked about because a lot of them are avoidance type things or they have to do with you know thoughts in your head. And we've already talked about thought stopping. We've talked about avoidance already. So rather than keep going for another five minutes talking about each one, I, I'm just going to stop there. So let me just wrap up by saying that, you know, a lot of times people look at coping strategies as a, a positive, wonderful thing, but maladaptive strategies as like this negative thing. But it's not. Remember, pulling weeds is actually a good thing. And identifying our maladaptive strategies is good as long as we don't dwell on them. We're but Just identify it, and then we're just going to work on that. Does that take a little more effort than a 5 to 10 minute mindfulness exercise? Well, yes. But most things that are great in life that work out for you does take effort. But if you take that effort, I promise you will have significantly increased happiness. Thank you for listening to Coping Skills for Chronic, Physical, and or Mental Health Issues, Helpful Hints and Bandages. Please complete the survey attached to the podcast so that I know which topics are most helpful to you. I'm going to keep the survey up for a while, so some topics may have already been given when you go to complete the survey. If so, don't let that dissuade you. I would still love to have your input. This is currently at least a monthly podcast, but depending on my health, demand, or urgency of topic, episodes could come sooner. Until next time, hang in there. More skills are coming, and even if it doesn't seem like it sometimes, life is worth it. You're worth it. This has been Robert Sibley.